Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Today, we'll be looking at this, and I put this, how to be valuable to the kingdom. And we'll be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. And uh, we've decided to unpack this whole Romans 12 chapter um, and look at this through the end of the year. And I'll go ahead and just read this, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and, then, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we'll be unpacking this, and I decided this is when I was studying this and trying to think of just a general one kind of line summary, I thought of just valuable. No word just kept coming to mind, valuable, valuable, how to be valuable. And then I got thinking, well, everyone's valuable, right? And we, we like to hear that, everyone is valuable. And I came up with this, and we'll use these definitions if they're wrong, um, then they're wrong. But for sake of this sermon, this is what I decided to do, is use these definitions between value and valuable. Because I think there might be a subtle difference. Value is having worth, important, or something to offer. So I think we can honestly say that all of us have value. All of us have worth. Especially we know that because God sent his one and only son to die for us. So he must think I have worth. He must think you have worth. We're value, we have value to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done that. But then valuable is using what you have to offer and being of great use or service. And if that's the distinction we're making this morning, which is what I'm going to hopefully do, that's where I think not all of us often become valuable to the kingdom. We all have value. We all have things and talents God has given us. But if we don't use them, then we're wasting what God has given us and we cease to be valuable to the work of the kingdom, to the work that he has laid out for us to do. So we'll be, we'll be using those, those distinctions this morning. And if I'm wrong, you can come to me after and we can have a good discussion because I'm up to learning. But I think this is maybe semantics, but this is what I'm doing. And we'll go from here. So the first thing I want us to talk about is it's really not about us. It's not about us. And that's really hard for us to, to accept. We like things to be all about us. Uh, I like my way, you like your way, we understand that. We, we like to have things our way. And it's Romans chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 12, in verse 3, 
I'll put four through five. Oops, that's why. There we go. Verse three. He says this. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He says, don't think it's all about you. And don't think that what you, the gifts that you have mean that you're more important than someone else. And don't think that the things that you can do or your desires, your preferences, trump that of someone else's. We're all, and we'll get to this, we're all in the same kind of, we're all in the same boat. We're all on the same team. We're all working together. The difference is, are we producing, the, I guess the important difference is, are we producing good or bad fruit? And that goes back to the having value and being valuable. We all are, hopefully, are a seed, right? Growing and being nurtured. But if we end up producing bad fruit, we are no longer valuable. We're no longer a good tree. And sometimes bad trees that keep producing bad trees will get pruned. Uh, when I grew vegetables and, uh, and peppers, hopefully I'll do that again soon, uh, there were times when part of the pepper plant would get diseased. It would cease to be valuable, and I would have to cut those branches off. Otherwise, it would spread to the whole tree. So here we have this value, valuable, and don't think you're any better or you're higher than you, than you really ought to think. And that's really hard for us to, I guess, live because it's we like to... I guess, maybe speak, live, or, or act in a way that says, look at what I've done. Uh, we'll, we'll, even if it's a good thing, we like to, instead of shining the attention on Christ, we like to shine the attention on ourselves and say, look at all these great things I'm doing, rather than look at what God's doing through me. And again, I know you may think those are semantics, but they're really not, because that becomes a mindset. That becomes a way of living. If we're not living as to say, I'm giving glory to God, to God, I'm giving glory to Christ, then the opposite ends up being true. We end up giving glory to ourselves. And we don't like to admit this part, but, but I call this spiritual arrogance. And, and then I put this on here because of uh, uh, a future verse, but we love to get drunk on this kind of arrogance. We love to drink from the arrogance of, look at all the good stuff we're doing. And there's nothing wrong with saying, look at what we're doing, unless we leave God out of the picture. We can say, look at what God's doing through us. Look at how we're affecting the community. Look how God is, is moving. But if it becomes more humanitarian than it becomes about God, then we have an issue. And Paul reminds us in this same verse, in verse 3, he says, again, don't think more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment. See, when we get drunk on the spiritual arrogance when we get drunk and like to participate in that kind of, I guess, the consumption of self, it becomes problematic. Maybe even becomes on the borderline of idolatry rather than having this sober judgment. Because when it's not about us and we're thinking clearly and we're saying, and we're thinking through the, guess, the lens of how can we glorify Christ or how can I point to Christ through what we're doing, it's a whole lot easier to positively affect our community. And that's what we want to do. We've been doing that, I think, through our school ministry. We've been doing that through all the works, all the Bible studies we've been doing lately. We've had several responses, several baptisms. God is moving. But if we, can, if we look at it through, look at how great we are, then we're going to end up losing momentum. But if we look at it through, look at what God is doing, and remember that it's him who created us, and it's him who deserves our praise. 
that's a, a better motive. That's a better mentality to have. Uh, when I was studying this, I was trying to think of the differences between, again, that arrogance, that all about me versus all about Christ differences. And we kind of see this all about me, I guess, struggle, I would say, or temptation in our culture today. And I have written down, and they're not fun to talk about, but you have right versus left, conservative versus, you know, liberal. You have these racial divisions. And this was no different than it was in the first century than it is today through these divisions. But here's the truth of the matter. We don't have time for that. <laughs> we don't have time to say, oh, there's these differences, or, but the truth is we're all made in the image of him. We're all equal under his eyes. And if we end up having these problems where we think one is better than the other, one is superior than the other, then we are not doing things biblically speaking. See, Romans was written to a church that was very divided. And uh, through my studies, you see that there was Jews and Gentiles that hate each other. Not just religious differences, but culture differences, racial differences. They were at odds with each other. And Paul was writing to the Romans, basically saying, I know of your fights. See, the Jews had their, you know, the Jews came in, and then when they left, these Gentiles kind of took over in that area. And when the Jews came back, they said, oh, you're doing things a little different than we're doing things, or than what we used to do. And they had the, all, the, all the arguments about circumcision, all the arguments about rituals, all the arguments about holy days. And the Gentiles were saying, hey, you guys had your chance and you messed up. You know, you had your chance. It's now our time. Hey, at least we didn't do all this awful things. And they were at odds with one another. And then Paul says, hey, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Let, let, and he starts speaking to this unity thing here. And when I look at that, and then I'll look at maybe where we are, and I don't say we as a congregation, I say we as maybe a culture, I see that same problem with division where we start getting this whole, it's about me. And if anyone's different than me, then it's their problem. When really we're all united under Christ, we're all united under his blood, and we're all really on the same team. And that team is hopefully Team Jesus. I don't necessarily cliche, but we're all under the same, we're all, we're all fighting for the same side. Paul goes on to say in verses four through five, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. See, Paul doesn't avoid differences. He's He says we are. He says we are all different, but we need to also be unified under our differences. He says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Now, he's about to speak very spiritually speaking, but the, but the principle, I guess, stays the same. We're different but also unify, because he says, though we're many, though we're different, though we have different functions, we are one body. You, know, you might be something, you might be good at something that I'm really bad at, probably. And I might have talents that you don't have, less likely, but perhaps that's true. When we work together, we, we grow. I can't help but think of uh, Ephesians chapter um, four and verse 16, 
when it says when we're all doing our own part, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. And we'll go back to that in just a few minutes. But I can't help but think that we have different roles and we're all important, but unless we all look at each other as being necessary, our unity will fail and our growth will, 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 will stop growing. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says something very similar to this. So to the Romans, he says, we're all many members, but one body. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, he says almost the same thing, but expounds on that. So in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, he says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Same basic principle, almost the same words. But then he says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, I'm sorry, an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? And then he goes on in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. Have the same care for one another. He says, and you may think that someone's, and he And he's using this analogy because he says, there's some parts of your body that you're saying, they're not as important. There's some parts of the body you may say are more important. There's some parts that you take more modesty to to cover up. There's some parts that you don't cover up at all. And he says, however, all of them are important. All of them are indispensable. All of them form one body. He says the same is with the church. And he says, so that there may be no division in the body. When I think of that, I also can't help but think of who Jesus went to when he was on this earth, who he spent the most time with. He didn't spend the most time with people who were culturally acceptable. He didn't spend time with people who were the elite in society. In fact, he criticized the elite, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, all of them. He, he criticized them more than he spent time with them. His closest friends, the 12, were fishermen, tax collectors, you name it. They were almost rejects by society, you could say. Most likely, they were all dropouts out of rabbinical school. They were not the elite. They were not someone you would say, if you're going to start a ministry and you're going to pick 12 people to follow you, you're not picking these 12 people. And then his inner circle was just the same. But then those he spent time teaching, healing, again, were... Lepers or rejects were, were the poor. Were the, and, the, and he was criticized for that by saying, look who he spends time with. Look who he's eating with sinners. 
And then I think of our culture today, and, I, and here's the challenge I, I think of, is if we want to grow, if we want to reach the lost, we're going to have to be okay with people who look different and who act different than us. Those who we say, oh, I, I'm not so sure about that person. I'm not sure about that group of people because they don't fit the mold that we have for valuable people to the kingdom. But remember, we all have value. And the, to become valuable, we just have to use what God has given us to serve in his kingdom. So the potential's there. We, so let's not say no one, or certain, only certain people can be valuable. That's up to the individual because we're united through his blood. And, I, and I've, I guess, watered this next statement down, but, and it might still come across harsh, so I apologize. But if, if you don't want to reach certain people, if you, if you look at certain people and say, I'm not so sure we, we need to be reaching out to them, then perhaps that's a hard issue. Perhaps that's an issue that we need to fix. Say, hey, I care about others, and it's really not about my comfort. It's really not about my preferences. A lot of times, hey, you've heard me speak about the difference between preferences and biblical truths, and sometimes our preferences trump biblical truths. Well, unity is a very strong biblical truth taught throughout Scripture. Serving others is a very strong biblical truth taught throughout Scripture. Speaking, you know, Jesus spent time with those who were considered despicable. That's a very much common theme throughout Scripture, and we're told to do the things Jesus did. See, it's not about, again, my comfort, but it is about glorifying the Father and serving in the kingdom and working as a united body. And that means that we are going to be different. And as we grow and continue to grow, we're going to have more and more differences. But again, we are all united through the blood of Christ. And if each part's working properly, because we all have different roles, our body will continue to be strengthened and strengthened. And that brings us to this next last part in Romans uh, 5, uh, 3 through 8. Verses 5 through 8, Paul starts talking about these spiritual gifts. And he says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy and proportion of our faith and service and our serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And we could this morning unpack this and look at all these things he's mentioning but I'll save that for another time. The principle remains, use what God oops, has given you. I'll put, let's get to work. That means use what God's given you and let's get to work. Let's get busy doing things in the kingdom. Again, we just looked at 1 Corinthians 12. We could read that again, we're not. Where it says, we all have different roles. We all have different parts that are assigned to us in the body. And we can't say, oh, I have no worth because I'm not this other part. Or we can't say they have no worth because they don't have my role. All of our roles together make up a complete body. And again, going back to that Ephesians 4 passage that I mentioned earlier, when it says when each part's working properly, makes the body grow, right? When each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Paul's instructions are, are fairly clear right there in verse 6. He says, let us use them. He says, our gifts differ, our talents differ, 
let us use them. When we don't use things God has given us, when we don't use our abilities, our talents, our gifts, I, I kind of feel like that's telling God, no, thank you. And God has given us a gift. He says, here's my plan for you. And we say, no, thanks. I think I'll do something different. Or perhaps when we complain about not having other gifts, we'll say, well, God, I think you made a mistake. And uh, why didn't you create me this way? And we might have times when we, we feel that way. Or maybe we'll even say, God, why didn't you make me useful? Well, again, we're, we all have value. To become valuable means we have to use the things God has given us. And, that, and so the difference, again, between value and valuable is our choice. We all have value, but to become valuable in the kingdom is up to us. Are you going to use what God has given you? No, Matthew and I have been saying that what we do outside the walls of this building are important. A lot of times, and he said this last week, I believe, when he said our spiritual kind of worship that we looked at in the first two verses, we often think of Sunday morning inside these walls. But what about Monday through Saturday? What about our lives? What about the things we're doing? What about our acts of service? Our other talents that God has given us that we can use to glorify him and further his kingdom Monday through Saturday. Those are important. And in fact, that's more days a week. And again, we're not saying our worship isn't important, that our, our what we're doing this morning is not important. But sometimes we elevate our Sunday morning and then minimize Monday through Saturday, as to say they don't really matter. As to say they're not worship, as to say they're not our spiritual service, as if to say they're not important. See, if just coming here on Sunday morning, showing up, sitting in a pew, going to class even, and maybe even singing loudly and, and full of energy, but if that's all you do, is that really spiritual service fully? Is that living fully? to what God's given you? Is that fully using the gifts God's given you? Is that actually being valuable to the kingdom of God fully? Again, not saying it's not important, not saying it's not commanded, but all the other things that we've been commanded to do, we also have to follow. We also have to participate in. And I refuse to believe that just showing up is the fullest thing God expects us to do. I refuse to think just showing up and sitting down in these pews is being fully valuable to God the way he designed you to be. Because we all have talents. We all have gifts. We all have things, as to put it the way Paul said, let us use them. So here's my last few questions, and then we'll let the invitation be yours. Do you want to use the value God's placed on you? to become valuable in the kingdom? Or do you want to sit, not do much, collect dust and fade away? Do you want to get busy, get to work, doing things together to help us build up the church, to build up the kingdom, to spread and further glorify, again, God, not ourselves? Or are you, just want, are you comfortable just showing up? Showing up isn't necessarily being fully valuable not being fully active in the kingdom. And for me, I wanna be fully valuable. I wanna be fully active. So whether you're struggling this morning with living the full extent of what God's maybe blessed you with, 
maybe living the way God's designed you to be, I would even say commanded you to be, you're, you're probably in the same boat as many of us. We could all do a little bit better. But maybe you're also here this morning and you haven't decided, you know, I'm gonna give up living the way that I've been living. Uh, I haven't dedicated my life to Christ yet. I haven't been baptized to be buried in the waters, to be raised in newness of life so my sins can be washed away, so I can live as a new creation. Whatever your need is this morning, please come now while we stand and sing. There is beyond the azure blue, a If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.